coming up on Life is a Festival. We have to make sure that there's enough for everybody. And so as grandmothers, we're always the last to be fed or the last to, to drink the water. You make sure everybody has what they need. And then if there's some left over, then we're lucky. We're blessed. But then that's our role. We have, throughout our lives, we have attained patience. And patience is very hard. Even for me, going on into my 73rd year, I, I sometimes wish that I could speed up a little bit in my own walk. <laughs> but I have to be patient because I've slowed way, way down. And so learning patience is the thing that I think is most important. When you're patient, you become calm and you open and, and you listen, really listen to what is being said to you. My name is Eamon Armstrong, and this is Life is a Festival. This podcast is a celebration of thinkers and leaders who live their lives with the open-hearted, experimental joy of a festival. Each week, we converse in complete openness, in an ongoing quest to find those boundaries in our being and melt them into lofty horizons. Life is a festival, only to the wise. Welcome back to Life is a Festival. This particular podcast is paced a little differently than my usual conversations. And so I invite you to take a little time with this, to sit down and to have patience with this deep grandmother wisdom. And there's some really interesting teachings after the outro music at the end. So I just want to start us with that particular invitation this podcast was recorded on June 4th after protests erupted around the country about police violence and racial injustice. I sat down with two grandmothers, Loretta, afraid of Bear Cook, and Jyoti Ma, to talk about what this moment needed. And I felt that grandmother wisdom was particularly poignant in this moment. I was recently listening to Tara Brock, another powerful grandmother, and she spoke about how anger is initiatory and the passion and vitality and indeed the rage of young people in these movements is a powerful uh, igniting force. And at the same time, we need the emotional regulation of the elders in these movements to help us manage the long-term commitment to change. And I think this balance that Tara Brock was referring to is so poignant right now in these times of chaos and confusion. And I think patience is an incredibly powerful skill. As Loretta says, when you are patient, you are calm. And I believe that when you are calm, you can act with deep wisdom. So on the podcast today, I speak to these two powerful grandmothers about patience and about how to come into right relationship with the earth, all her creatures, and all her peoples. Uh, we do discuss this current cultural moment, which is our starting place, but we also go into deep wisdom about Oglala Sioux traditions, including the famous Sundance, 
which is a four-day ceremony of purification and self-sacrifice. I ask the grandmothers how the children of colonizers can make amends and how to cultivate patience in this process without passivity. Loretta Afraid of Bear Cook is the faith keeper and holder of the Afraid of Bear American Horse Sundance Pipe, and she has led this Sundance with her husband Tom for the past 20 years. She is also the cultural specialist on the board of the Paha Sapa Unity Alliance and the Black Hills Initiative. The mission of that initiative is to return the sacred Black Hills to the Great Sioux Nation. She was also part of a delegation to Pope Francis to rescind the papal bulls that designated the so-called New World to European colonizers. Essentially, this is a very powerful grandmother. Her sister... Jyoti Ma is the grandmother vision keeper of the Center of Sacred Studies. She co-founded Kayumari, which has spiritual communities both in America and Europe. She has helped convene the International Council of 13 Indigenous Grandmothers and was part of the Unity Concert. She is also the founder of The Fountain, whose mission is to restore an economic model that's based on reciprocity and collaboration guided by nature and the sacred. Both Loretta and Jyoti serve as delegates on the Mother Earth Delegation of the United Indigenous Nations. So please, take this time to join these two powerful grandmothers around a sacred fire as we listen to their wisdom with humility and with patience. I am more nervous for this conversation than I usually am for my podcast. And the reason being is I am afraid that I may not have the proper reverence to acknowledge the two of you here. And so I'm thinking about how best to speak so that I am offering the appropriate respect and care to the wisdom that you both bring to the table and effectively expressing my gratitude for your time here. And it's a peculiar feeling to feel both welcome and nurtured by you both and by your care in sitting with me today. And also this boyish nervousness that I, I, that I don't bring the correct humility or reverence. So I just, as we start, I just want a presence that alive in my body is this this nervousness, but in a way it feels kind of good. It's kind of a good nervousness. So that being said, welcome to Life is a Festival. I'm so honored to have you both here. Loretta, afraid of Bear Cook, Jyoti Ma. It is just such an honor to have you share your wisdom during a time of so much chaos in the world. I'm just deeply, deeply honored to have you both here with me. Thank you. Oh, thank you for inviting us. You know, that nervous energy you talk about, I'm feeling it too. And it feels like to me right before we go into high ceremony, where we're going to connect with that that's streaming us, it makes us feel that kind of flutter, that kind of what we would call nervousness, but maybe it's more of a flicker, you know, uh, of quickening, if you would, of life sourcing us so we can speak openly today 
during a very significant moment on this planet. So thank you for inviting us. Sis? Yes. Thank you, Amen, for making the time available to the elders so that we could be with you today and to speak our minds and to share with you all that we have carried for thousands of years and is our duty today to share. These are things for us to not keep. They're things for us to give. So whatever the opportunity presents itself, uh, we're always there to share with our young people. It's elder wisdom transferred to you. And we're in that mode all the time. We've learned to be there. So thank you for giving us this opportunity. Thank you. Before we start, and I open the space, Loretta, for you to to start us with a prayer, I just want to first acknowledge in deep gratitude to my own grandmother, Elspeth Bobbs, who passed away this November at 99 years mm-hmm. old, and um, uh, a great gardener, um, a very powerful, powerful grandmother, very, very powerful grandmother, whose wisdom... I, like many young people, only am beginning to realize in her passing. So I just want to acknowledge my dear granny, Elspeth Bobbs. And I also, for the first time on this show, I want to acknowledge the Ohlone people whose land I am on. This is a practice that I've become aware of and I have not yet done, which is to acknowledge the land on which I live and and the people who it was taken from. So I'd like to bring that into the conversation too as we start. So that being said, I usually start this podcast by asking what a home run would look like, which is funny because I don't play baseball, but what it would look like to have a successful conversation, what my what my guests would most like to share with my audience and the community of, of festival goers and world travelers and adventurers who want to learn from, from the wisdom today. In this case... I feel it's it's more appropriate to humbly ask for a prayer for our conversation today. And Loretta, if, if you would if you'd like to offer a prayer for us and for our audience that we can sit together and, and really be able to experience this wisdom, I would be most grateful. I would love to. And I'm honored to fulfill this request. And so because I love my grandsons and my grandchildren. I I always want to draw in the young people. So I will say this to them. I'm grandmother. What's your superpower? (laughs) And then we'll go right into prayer. Nobody <laughs> 
So this is a time with that prayer that is um, calling us, grandmas of all nations, to come and sit around a sacred fire today with you, Amen, and with the community that's grown up with you and all the people that are inside of it, seated by some of the consciousness that is awakening in everyone around this planet right now. So I'm just seeing us in our visual mind, if we can, that there's a gathering. Any of you are used to coming to festivals, are used to coming to enter into experiences that you want to water your consciousness so you can wake up and stand up in this moment. And and it is a significant moment. So if you can just see yourself, this time it's got a little bit of different shape, a little different form in itself. For right on the land, on this beautiful land, this, this beautiful Mother Earth, where there are many, many gathered from all nations, there's a fire and it's glowing bright and it's clear and it's fed with prayer and good intention. And it's lit for this moment that's been prophesized about, that's been preparing us so we could all stand here right now. We are in a chosen moment together. That one's for sure. And sitting just around that fire are all the grandmothers from all nations. They've got their hands extended, warming themselves and blessing that fire so the fire can come back and bless each one of us and open our hearts so we can be, so we can speak with the clarity of that fire in this moment that could be full of confusion and unrest. And just behind us, Every single one of us grandmas is a grandfather. 
standing with us. And the ancestors are standing with us with their hands on our back. Because this is a moment to protect and to care for in a really mindful way. This is a moment that requires us to wake up in it. And standing behind all of those lines are all the others that have gathered from all the lines of all the different individuals and families that make up this humanity that's walking on this planet, this Mother Earth at this point in time. So everyone's included and lit by the fire, made visible by the fire, warmed by the fire, and instructed by the fire. If we can see ourselves in that moment of festival for life, that truly is the seed that you've planted, Amen. That there is a festival for life. And right now, we had no idea years ago when some of this started seeding itself through all the many different platforms globally, that it would come to a moment like this when literally we would step into an understanding of what you put in motion years ago that you called a festival of life. Life is a festival, and so it is that field of reciprocity growing and sustaining and restoring once again. And here we are in this moment around the fire. So I just want to take a moment for all of us to arrive there with this beautiful prayer that my, my sister Loretta Afraida Bear Cook, who's a Guala Sioux, and her great Sioux Nation, and the Black Hills, the sacred site, they say is the heart of everything that is, that it's all gathered here with us in this sacred moment. And all the other indigenous lines of prayer and communities that have been keeping things that go back to the original time of it all, go right back to the original time. They did not let those lines from there get broken. They made their way through trying difficult situations and times to stand here now at the sacred fire with us with those lines unbroken. And that brings resilience into our circle. That brings courage into our circle. And it brings original thought into our circle today. So thank you. Thank you for calling and lighting this fire the way you have today. So many are longing for that fire. There's an African proverb that has been very close to my heart in some of the men's work that I've done, which is a child that is not embraced by the village will burn it down to feel its warmth. And I see so much burning down right now in a desperation for fire and a desperation for leadership and security and safety, you know, on the national stage, I'm not seeing elders. The people who we are entrusting to guide us during our most difficult times, a great illness, injustice, that leadership isn't there. And, and that leadership in, in this country has been so masculine, so male, so patriarchal. 
And I think so many of us are longing for leadership of grandmothers. One of my favorite grandmothers is Pema Chodron. <laughs> uh, I, I want Pema Chodron to come and 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 tell us how to sit with the discomfort. You know, I'm longing for that grandmother wisdom, and and I'm scared. I'm very scared right now, and I feel so much desperation, so much desperation for justice, and I don't know what to do. I don't know how to help. I don't think that what I do is enough, and I'm worried that I'm going to do the wrong thing. I, I went out and protested on, on Sunday. What is enough? What am I doing here? You know, And I think that there's a guidance that we're all, young people are all desperate for right now that seems to be so lacking. Uh, maybe in our individual lives we have it, but as a community, we don't have that fire. And I think that that may be part of what brings people to something like Burning Man, this desperation for community and home to feel that fire and to feel something, some connectedness and some community. How do we as young people help to create the space for that fire and connect with our elders and find that wisdom? Always let my older sister go first. Loretta? How about, <clears throat> how about you take this turn? <laughs> I'm thinking about something. Okay. You know what I'm thinking about right now with your question is that we have to, what has helped me a lot is that for 30, 35 years now, I've been, creator put me on a path where elders from the original peoples would come to find me and our community and help to grow us and help us remember a way of life that sustains life feeds life so life can feed us. There's a reciprocity in motion and a rhythm and the way to speak with our words that is different when you walk that path. And so I just want to take a moment of regard for the blessing that happened to myself and our community when this began to take over our lives and, and put us into a service towards Mother Earth and and those original peoples, the root cultures of this planet. So as they're walking with us and training us, helping us wake up, remember who we are, they're also sharing prophecy, and we became a part of service in that prophecy. Prophecy, for me, brings about an instruction about how we can walk in these times. So we've worked with, I'll just give you an example, we've been working for over nine years or more with the Mamos, uh, the four original people out of the La Sierra Nevadas in Colombia. Many of you might know them by the, there are four of those original peoples. One of them, the Kogi, has become more heard, came out first, came off the mountain to, and instructed by Mother Earth that she, was, she needed them to come out and help their younger brother is the way she put it. They were still living high in the La Sierras. No one, the West had not discovered them yet. So it was a big sacrifice for them to come. But they brought a prophecy to our community a couple of years ago, and they said that the ending was falling into the beginning. 
and the beginning would roll out in 2026. That's not so very far away. And it would roll out with those individuals and organizations and movements that were based on original principle of reciprocity and collaboration, heart, unity, and all life is sacred. They said during these times that it was important to watch the ending as it fell down so we would stay informed. But to stay focused on that was which breaking through those new movements, those new organizations that were based on those original principles and that were listening to the instruction of the Mother Earth that was given to all of us through her original people and the caretaking they do with her sacred sites and sacred territories so the ecology of this, of, of all of us could come back to a restoration and regeneration so life could grow here once again, you know. So those prophecies, they're helping us all right now. Now, as all of this happened, and later we're going to talk about the Mother Earth delegation, there was years that went into motion that really then a big lightning bolt almost went off when Loretta and I and 27 or more delegates had been invited around the planet to come and sit in London in September of last year so we could look at they, there were people gathered there, small group of people, to really listen to what the elders were saying from Mother Earth that needs she needed to happen right now to deal with climate change. And on the third morning, we got the news that two and a half tons of radioactive waters from Fukushima had been poured in the ocean. And more fires had been set in the Amazon. And at that moment, it was like this light and bolt link from Mother Earth came down and said, stop. No more trying to talk to those that aren't ready to listen. Come and stand over here in my nation, Mother Earth's nation, that unites all nations and is ready to listen to the instruction I'm giving you. And you take that instruction and you embrace it, integrate it, and receive the next. And that's the rhythm that will walk you into a new time. Because right now, this is her sixth extinction, you see. The Mother Earth has been through this five other times. And in when I was traveling in India, there were temples. And many of the temples would have this clock on the wall. And this clock would show like from 12 to 1 was 2,500 years, from 1 to 2 was another 2,500 years. And so it went around 26,000 years. That's a cycle. At the very last was this little dark pie piece of it. That was called in India the Kali Yuga, the time of the great turning, the time when this cycle was completing itself and it was falling down on itself so we could birth itself into the next 26,000-year cycle. So that means mom and earth knows how to walk through this. And if we can listen, if we can be humble enough to listen to that instruction and to align ourselves with that purpose, well, those are the ones that will get in and will open the door into this new 5,000 years of great light and time of light at the beginning, the birth of that new cycle for evolution. So it's a moment. 
It's a moment we all chose to put skin on it and be here. And we are all making a choice about how we're going to be here. Are we going to truly arrive here? Are we going to wake up in this? Are we going to be humble enough to listen to that instruction, even if we don't know where it's taking us? Can we be humble enough to and wise enough to realize that what we choose collectively will determine what we have to go through next collectively? We're going through it. So how tough do we want the road to be? We're at one of those moments right now. You know, I'm, I'm looking and listening to all the news and gathering things, especially coming up to this call, because that's when the mother speaks to me and shows me things that she wants me to really bring into the light and have others pay attention to possibly. As one person on a circle here, there are many people seated in the circle here, and all of us are an aspect of ourselves. So I bow to my other selves even as I present this. So this is just one voice in this circle. If we all give voice and allow the richness of each voice to be heard, we will see the bigger picture at hand and the possibility that's trying to birth itself here. So coming up to this, Yesterday, I heard Biden, presidential candidate. I'm 72 years old. I never thought I would hear this on national television. He said, we can keep letting this scab over or we can allow ourselves to have the courage to go down to the root of what is called racism through this nation. And it started over 400 years ago. We need to go there. We need to apologize for that, make right by what happened there so we can reclaim the heart and the soul of this nation. This morning, I'm a girl that was raised in the South. This morning, I saw on the news this great protest moment that was happening with the whites and the blacks, and they were all kneeled, the white nation was facing the black nation and this young man with so much emotion in his heart they were having a prayer for what was happening and he raised his hands up and he said to the black nation I am so sorry for this history and and I want I he felt it in every cell of his body there was nothing holding back. There was a full truth. And this has happened and we are we are here now and we need the, the consciousness of forgiveness to land upon us all so we can mend and heal and keep our hearts open and our love flowing and our compassion and our tolerance showing up for, for all of where we're going next. We have a big moment of choice here. I cried when I saw that. I know that Loretta and I, we've, we've stood in that kind of place more than once. The grandmothers, the International Council of 13 Indigenous Grandmothers went out to Montana to grandmother Margaret Behan's place out that way. And we had a gathering there. And in this gathering, Custer's granddaughter, great-granddaughter, 
she came in the middle of this gathering and she asked if she could take care of something for her family. And it wasn't planned. Nobody knew this was coming. And she was a young woman and she was really shaking. She was so, it was such a big moment for her. And she got up in front of these Cheyenne people that Custard had massacred years before. And she said, I'm here today because I want to apologize for what my grandfather Custard did to your people so many years ago. I want to set it right. We've watched and stood by when others have come with that kind of clarity and courage and restored the original names on mountain peaks that colonizers came and took the original names and put their own there. We've seen their grandchildren come forward and correct all of that and put uh, restore that original name the earth gave to that peak and the people honored because of it. Those are all the kind of things that are in the stirring of this great turning right now. So what do the young people? I, I, got a, I just got off a call before getting on this one where an elder woman and I were talking and she said she went to, she lived in Oregon and she went to a protest yesterday and she said, there were only a handful of us that were over 50. All the rest were there. And when protesters tried to come in, they're not really the protesters for truth. They're those that are instigating, trying to cause harm and destruction and distract from that truth-seeking moment. And she said, watching how they dealt with it. I mean, someone tried to shoot somebody. I mean, it was aggressive things, trying to burn something. She said, to watch how they they worked and moved that so they disarmed it and continued to hold a prayer for peace and unity and healing in this moment. That That was what we're deciding. If we keep fighting, you know, one of my elders told me years ago, what you fight is what you become. That's I found I've been an activist all my life, one way or the other. I found that to be a truth. It helped me to see it's what brought me into this way of prayer. It's what brought me into ceremony. It's what brought me into remembering a way of life where I could be that which I pray for. And so now we're at a moment of being. Instead of doing, can we be the truth we've been praying for? Can we be the peace we've been praying for? Can we allow our human beingness to come forward? That's what comes up right now, Loretta. What's coming up for you? And on that note, sister, I... I appreciate your words, and I appreciate this young nephew, Amen, who has reached out to us to share what our thoughts and, and feelings are about where we're at today. In just about every written word that you see across the world with different uh, religions, things begin in the, in the area that say something like, in these modern times, And so when you look at that, then you recognize that 
we have responsibilities to ensure that whatever the goodness and the timeliness of what is needed in that time is, is present. We have the knowledge about it. We have the ways to make it be effective. And, and yet today, there's so much chaos in the world that everybody is searching for something. It's a time for us to speak to our children as if they were all our grandchildren and, and to speak to those of us, to those who are a little younger than us as, as our nephews and nieces and to speak to those who are at our age as brothers and sisters. We don't have very many beyond our age. I come from a place where I think uh, my aunt is 95 years old and we're very thankful that she's still here with us. And, and one of the things that I would like to say is that we are all nature worshipers, but more than that, we're spiritual nature worshipers. And what that then means is that you begin to have a relationship with nature. And that teaches us how to walk on Earth Mother. That teaches us how to have the respect for the water, the air, the land on which we grow our food. Everything that is in that land, everything that is in the air, everything that is in the water, we have an opportunity and, and we have a, a time that we have to put our protective prayers with it, over it, about it, and in it. At the same time, we have to make sure that there's enough for everybody. And so as grandmothers, we're always the last to be fed or the last to, to drink the water. You make sure everybody has what they need. And then if there's some leftover, then we're lucky, we're blessed. But then that's our role. We have, throughout our lives, we have attained patience. And patience is very hard, even for me, in going on into my 73rd year, I, I sometimes wish that, you know, I could speed up a little bit in my own walk but I have to be patient because I've slowed way way down and so learning patience is is uh, the thing that I think is most important because when you're calm when you're patient you become calm and you open and and you listen really listen to what is being said to you and I think that in these times with the modern technology uh, there are some of us that are frightened of it almost and it's hard for us to use it but we also find that we like it because it's easy for us to be here sitting with you thousands of miles away and we can see each other's faces and we can talk to each other that is so awesome for me today so in this walk that we do you have to understand that we know who we are as 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 a grandmother i know where i come from and some of the teachings there that make me want to share that stability and teach people a little bit of that patience by being that myself. So we take teachings from thousands of years ago and our, our old people tell us in these ways you do not change anything, you do not add anything thereby ensuring that the stability of the sacred 
that we're being taught. It stays the same. And, and that's what I think is missing in the world today because a lot of our young people are searching for perhaps something that has spiritual qualities. Perhaps it's more knowledge in the field that they are. And, and that's all fine and good. That's the ways of the young people. At the same time, we're practitioners of, of our ways. And so what I know that I use for guiding principles from, from my Ogallala people is, is what ensures that I stabilize my, my home. And, and we've been praying about protecting Earth Mother, protecting our waters, protecting our, our air, and making sure that all of our relatives, the, those that fly in the air, those that swim in the ocean, those that are in the ground and on the ground, and then us, the human beings, the two-legged, that we all work in harmony together. We try to be respectful of one another. And when you, when you do something as, as simple as going in to go pick a berry to prepare your sacred food, you have to share that with other of the animal world, and so you have to make sure that you address them and say to them, I want to share in your, your abundance here. I want to share in the picking of the cherries because that to us is part of building our sacred food foundation. And, and we're eating those cherries along with the little birds, along with the, the snakes, along with the buffalo or the cattle. And so each of those each of those have have their own time with that sustenance, and we have to be very sure that we're not taking more than we need. And so I always refer to learning patience by way of making sure that you have your your backside clear, so that what you're saving and the things that you're about in your daily life are going to be carried over to your grandchildren. And today, in teaching ceremony, we the guiding principles for my people, my Oglala people are, we have a ceremony called Nori Guluha Mani. And what that means is the keeping of the soul. When we have a loved one that passes away, we take the hair of that loved one from here on top of the head we have a soft spot there. I think the uh, English word for it is, or maybe it's French, fontanelle. And, and we take hair from there and, and we put it in a sacred medicine bundle. And we walk with the hair of that loved one because they say that that spot is the most, it's the most sacred on our bodies, this, this soft spot. And so... When we, when we do that, then we have to walk with it until our throat no longer hurts. Because when you cry, your body emotes. You're going to find that you're in such deep grief and mourning that it even hurts in your throat. And, and so when it comes time for you to carry this bundle with your loved one's hair, you do that, and it takes maybe seven to nine months 
as the body settles back into Earth Mother, then this starts to relax itself again. So that relationship you have with your loved one is still happening between the two of you. They're now in spirit world. We're still here in this dimension. But we know that when this stops hurting, and, and chances are even today, my mother has gone to spirit world four years ago already. And today I still wish for my mom. I still wish she were here. You'll have to excuse me. I have a condition called dry mouth. And so I, I need to wet my mouth every now and then. But my, my, mother, my mother's teachings live in me. And being the oldest daughter, I, I, a lot of what she taught me is what I carry today. And those are teachings from my grandparents and their grandparents before them and so on and so on back thousands of years. Today, when we carry that bundle and then our throat stops to hurt, then we have a ceremony called releasing the soul. And in that releasing, we also have the medicine people come. They clean our ears out. They wipe the tears from our eyes. They bless your throat again in your body so that you again are renewed. And then we take that bundle and that bundle lives in our home in the north for a period of time that we're in mourning. And then when we're finished, and we're ready to take the bundle. Then we build a sacred fire. There are ceremonies and prayers that go with it. There are songs that are sung. And then we burn the bundle. So the ritualization of all of these, these ways are things that have come to us by way of our people doing them consistently over and over and over and so that you always have to remember that in our people's ways, community is the first tool of survival. Therefore, everything that you do, you're building within this community context. It's not just you as an individual. It's always going to be those of you who are in this community. And for my people, it could be um, called a tioshvaye or a tiwahe, or a clan, or the immediate family in those that marry in, immediate and extended families. And an example would be my one of my great-grandfather's chief American horse told the Commission on Indian Affairs, he said, I stand before you today, he said, I am a tioshvaye leader, and I represent 1,253 people in my Tioshpaye. That is that many relatives that look to him for leadership. And he's made that leader by the community. And so in our history, you're going to see these shirts that are made of buckskin and they have long hair on them. Those are not hair shirts. They're called community shirts. And it's the community that zeroes in on the actions of those young warriors who have within them the fortitude, the grace, the courage, and, and the bravery to go out and, and to get the sustenance for what's needed for their families. 
and for the widows and the orphans. So in our tradition, the word orphan, it, it doesn't mean anything. What we call our, our young people, what we tell our young people about when you become that and what that means is wa is everything that is living in our world. Ble means that beautiful, pure mountain water that comes down the side of the hill to us. And nicha means we have it no more because what it represents is your, your family, your mother, your father. They do everything for you to ensure that you have a good life, you have food to eat, all the basic necessities, you have a warm place to sleep, you have some place where you call home, you have your relatives. And then when they leave, they usually, we, we are grown up by that time, hopefully. But in these times, we see young people across the world, you know, leaving more torn areas where they don't have anybody. And so therein, the community picks them up. And so we pray those people across the world that are suffering in that time. So praying for the loved one that has gone on. It's very vast. And it's, it's the knowledge, is, it carries a lot of information. And so we're learning these things as we go from one age to another. And in our guiding principles, we have... That's keeping of the soul, mourning, and then releasing of the soul. And then we have the rites of passage. The rites of passage for our young women when they, they enter into that, that womanhood from the young girl. And, and so there are ceremonies that we ceremonialize our young women and we ceremonialize our young men. We're taught the, the ways of the world by a ceremony called toss the ball. We set this young woman in the center of the, the arbor, in the center of the world, we would say, and we give her a ball. And in that ball is all of the medicines that my family would carry. And it has buffalo hair in it. And then she tosses this ball. We explain to her that you take care of this ball. You take care of it because you're in charge of what happens on this ball. And so that means that she is responsible for what's happening in her world on Earth Mother. And so the ball becomes Earth Mother. And we give her all of the instructions. There's knife ceremony, earring ceremony. You do things to teach responsibility. Piercing of the ears to teach responsibility. There's certain ages, certain groups that do these ceremonies within the ceremony so that they reach those levels, the knife ceremony. They say a well-dressed Oglala woman is never without her knife. So we have a knife ceremony where we gift our young women that. We have many other ceremonies that go along under this hostable. And at the very end of that, we're, we tell this young woman about her body and, and how precious it is. It's, it's a body that you have. This is what you can control and this is what you have to keep it the best you know how. And your gifts are only to be shared 
with a special person that someday you're going to marry. And so then we're told that these men are our gifts because as women, not every woman in the world is going to have a man in her life. And so when we have that young man in our life, someday we're going to gift another young woman, this boy, this young man that we, we bore in our, in our womb, and we're going to give him as a gift to this young woman that he's going to marry. So they're very powerful forces in terms of how you, you take care of the, the body and the spirit. These are, these are set for us so that we've been following them for thousands of years. In there, we have Inipi. And today, I think most people know about Inipi. Inipi is where you do the rites of purification. And you take them to yourself, that place where you go in, and you have the, the, first, the first grandfather. We call it Tukashila Tokahe that first grandfather rock. And, and we teach you about purification. So when you go in and you wipe yourself off with the uh, steam rising off of that rock, you get a new breath. It's like you're a new person when you come out of that lodge. That lodge represents the womb of our great mother. And in the center where the hole is dug out represents the womb of our great mother. And so that area that is taken out, the dirt that is taken in, out in the center of that lodge, it's put outside in a mound, it becomes an altar. So these are all teachings that, that were, were taught from a time of understanding. Then we also do another ceremony called Kamblechao, crying for a vision. And, and we go and we fast and we do the prayers for ourselves so that we can become patient, we can have compassion. I myself, in my 73rd year, I find myself praying every day, creator, great, the great vibration, let me have compassion today. Give me compassion so whatever comes out of my mouth will always be for the good. Don't let me speak ill or onward about anything. And these practices are very hard because sometimes in the middle of something, you see what's going on today with, with the, all of the coronavirus, taking us down to the very depth at the beginning. And if more of our people could see it that way, they would ground themselves more in their home. Right now we have the opportunity to renew ourselves, our spirits, bless our homes, make our homes a sacred site again and, and to pay attention to it. So we have that opportunity today. Everything is stopped. We don't have 5,000 airplanes in the sky over the United States in a day. We don't have, the waters are cleaning themselves. The air is cleaning itself. So our relatives are going to get their balance back and, and the, the animals, the relatives, you have to think about them. When you're doing all of these things, who has time to be thinking onward things about each other and yelling and screaming at each other? If more, I, and I know, I believe that nations all over this world 
we all have the same type of, of beliefs. We all have guiding principles and we all have an opportunity to live within that context in that time frame. And another one, choosing a relative to make that person your adopted relative. Maybe there's reasons for it, but it's a holy, a holy ceremony that we do. So when we adopt somebody, there's no doubt in our minds that that person is the same as me, and I'm the same as that person. That's how you you have the relationship. And and you and Jyoti Ma are adopted yeah. in this way as yes. sisters. And so the last one, the most, the highest powerful ceremony that my Oglala people have is the Sundance. And in that Sundance, we open it up. My mother, Beatrice Long Visitor Holy Dance, instructed us that we're going to be we're going to be opening up our, our ways. And, and she said, I believe in the four colors of man. She said we have the the first color of the world is black. The first people of the world are the black people. And the first direction of the world is to the west. And the second color of the world is red. And the second color of the people of the world is red. Who are our people who are brown and red are all various shades of this color. And, and the second, second color of the world, the second direction is to the north. The red, and then the third direction is to the east, and the third color of the world is yellow, and the third people of the world are yellow, the Asian people. And then she said, the fourth direction is to the south, and the fourth color is the color white, and the fourth people of the world are the white people. And in the center of this world, she said, is a man who stands with his arms outstretched. And you have a balance there. From the top of that medicine wheel, you're making the medicine wheel. She said, it's a road of difficulty, the road of goodwill. And the place that it meets in the center is the most sacred of places. Thereby, when you see a person wearing a medicine wheel of those colors or any color, you're gonna see the circle, you'll see the four colors, and in the center, what looks like a Christian symbol, it's actually a man with his arms outstretched. And all around is the cosmos, the universe. And in the center of all of this world is all that we need for sustaining our lives, for going on many, many more centuries. But we have to come together in a unified way. We have to live in harmony with each other. We have to like each other. But more than that, we have to like ourselves. And until we can do that, some of us are, are angry and, and awful to each other. And, and so when we can find the patience and, and we can feel that we have the compassion and we can feel a bit of balance, we can go into that Sundance Arbor and make that medicine well and we dance, we offer up our food and water for those who are hungry, our food and water for those who can no longer eat anymore because they're too sick. For those four days, we dance without food or drink. We make a prayer, a steady prayer 
We, we dance to all the four directions. We pray for all the people in those four directions. The spirit entities that reside there, the thunder and lightning to the west, the 405 grandfathers and grandmothers that gave us our, our ceremonies all reside in the north. The buffalo people reside from that side. They take care of that side. And then to the east, we honor the man who paints himself yellow and comes every day. And then you have the spirit entity there is the black-tailed deer. So we don't eat of its flesh. That black-tailed deer then represents all the four-legged of the world. And then to the south, you have the bald eagle, Anunkasa, white on both sides, white head, white tail feathers. And that bald eagle then speaks for and stands for all those who fly in the air. And so when you're talking about all of these things and you're trying to be all of these things, it's a real challenge. I'm 73 today and I'm still trying to figure out how much more can I learn about these things. And so I share them with you today because I think that in order to attain stability in what's going on today, you have to reach back into your into your bundle, your sacred. Each of us has a sacred bundle. Each of our families gifted us with sacred bundles. And what we come with from our families should be representative of what's in your sacred bundle. What are you willing to share? How are you willing to give? What are you willing to receive? And so when we have these times, we can talk about that. But even in, even as, as we try to be this balanced person, we try to be in this world in which everything is happening. And you talked about um, what's happening with this uh, young man, this Mr. Uh, what was his name that passed? Floyd. Floyd. George. George Floyd. And and his family. We have to think about them. So I'll I'll put that over to you, sister. So I gave you a lot to digest, and I hope I hope that that's been I, I can help you that way. Amen. Go ahead, Amen. You have a question. I can see it. You know, you're in a holy time. The way that. Loretta's sharing these teachings. Many of my elders uh, around the planet say the same thing. When you lose someone like your grandma, that means it's someone that's that close inside of you, your family system, then you're in a year of being a holy person because they're still very available to you. You're still, you're in that place where the veil is very thin between that other world and this one. And she did lift, leave you a bundle. She left you how to care for a garden. Mm -hmm. huh? And yeah. it's it's totally turned a passion inside of you and unleashed a passion you didn't know. Well, that bundle is connected to the garden of this Mother Earth. And the garden we're all trying to get back to where this holy fire today, where all these grandmothers are gathered around it and these grandfathers and all these family lines lighting up with the clarity what does Mother Earth need for her garden? <laughs> my family has, in within my family bundle is this beautiful 
garden. Within my family bundle is also a deep and profound shame. And when I hear you, Grandmother Loretta, speak of ceremony and rites of passage, my people don't have that in that way. And I see in my community many lost young people coming to festivals, coming to Burning Man, approaching plant medicine. Plant medicine ceremonies are very popular amongst young people. Wanting to touch ceremony, wanting to touch a sense of connectivity and community, and at the same time, carrying such shame and the shame of the profound disgrace of colonization. And it does something weird in our desire to touch this ceremony and this connectivity because it kind of contorts, this shame kind of contorts how we might approach because it's not simply an old shame. It's still in our systems, like the shame is still present. And so we have this cultural appropriation that occurs where we, we want to touch this and instead we take it and feel a deeper shame. And then there's another thing that we talk about called virtue signaling. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this expression, but it's a way that we try to tell everyone around us that, no, we're good people. And that's also from this shame that we carry with us. And when I look at my community, my, 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 my friends responding to the death of George Floyd, we're so terrified of making the wrong step. We want to be allies. We don't know how. We are just ashamed of ourselves and we want to prove that we're not the bad people that we understand our ancestors having been. And in a way, and I speak for, I'm, I keep saying we, and I, I must speak for myself, but I do see this in the conversations I have amongst my community. But for me, I'm desperate for home, for ceremony, for eldership and connection in a bigger way beyond just my immediate family. And yet I feel so inauthentic in my approach to it. And I think that that's even part of my nervousness when we first opened up this conversation today. Can I possibly, with my ancestry, truly be authentic? Or is my attempt to connect more deeply with the human family and with Mother Earth, is it tinged by this shame that I carry through my lineage such that I can't stand and say, I will make right these things and I will join the human family. I, I don't know how to do that. And I think because I don't know how to do that, it's easier for me to ignore it and say, okay, not my problem. I didn't do, I'm not responsible. I'm just, I'm just trying to be a good man. I'm trying to be a good person. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to look at it. And now with the protests rolling across the country, we're once again confronted with that shame and once again confronted with how our silence victimizes others and how distant we are from deep ceremony. And I wonder, how can we as young people with this legacy, and I mean specifically the children of colonizers, how do we make it right 
And how do we join more deeply in connection? Or can we? Or how can we walk with, with grace even if we can't make it right? Well, a couple of things bubble up, so I'm just going to let them bubble up. The first, to your last question, my community uh, called Kayamari start, it was formalized in 1995. And we've been walking this way together. We actually started working before we intentionally built our, started building our community. So we've been a community for about 30 plus years. We came into that place because we wanted to step out of the box of throwaway society. Because there was an undercurrent and a teaching in our colonized system that threw things away when they were done with. You know, a car got too old, throw it away. Uh, washing machine got too old, throw it away. Relation got shipped, got too old, throw it away. So forth and so on. It left this energy that in, in the Amazon jungle, they call the Western people termite people because they go through and they eat everything up. You know, that's been what we've done. Now it brings me to when our community was starting over in Europe, we were asked by the creator to open up a place there that's just outside of Prague. And the ones that came together were the children of the wars. Really another dramatic moment on this planet. So we had in our community, it was the East and the West of Europe. So it literally was the German children that had, and the Jewish children of those wars that came together to heal it to step inside of that circle, not caught by the story anymore, but wanting to lay to heal it and, and lay it down and receive the teaching such moments bring to one. So it made us have to get uh, really honest with ourself and our self-reflection. We had to want our healing more than we wanted to be right about the story, first of all. Mm. You know, mm. and, and so we're, we're kind of in a moment like that here on this planet right now where can we have that level of humility? Can we have that moment when all of us can step inside the circle and not be attached to who's right or wrong in the circle or even how we got here in this moment in the circle, but that we're all here in the circle and we want more than anything else to do what our hearts would have us do. Which brings me to some of the prophecy again in its teaching. Because early on in our community's growth, we would, we would be brought into a prophecy and start to walk with this prophecy, be taught by this prophecy, awakened by this prophecy, called the eagle condor prophecy. And, the, and this is a short way of telling you uh, about a very much deeper, longer story but just to give a brushstroke of that moment, the way the old ones told me that there was a time when the planet, the North, the North Americas, and the, all of the Americas were in one big land. There was a big change on this planet. And when she changed it, she tore those lands apart. So that we had South America, North America, and Central America. When this moment happened, it was told that those North Americas 
there would be an eagle that would soar, that would awaken the mind and bring teachings of the mind. And in the south, the condor would soar in order to open the heart and bring the compassion of the people and keep it alive. They said at one point there was almost this eagle was almost going to push out the heart. But at that very moment is when the eagle and the condor would start to fly together, together once again. That would announce that we were moving into the turning times, which is where we're at now. So we're in this moment that's been, the earth told us was coming. We're in this moment where the eagle and the condor are flying together once again. We're in this moment where we're gathered around the sacred fire. And it will require us to sit down in the moment. Not to get lost in our heads. Mm -hmm. But to allow ourselves for the mind to fall into our hearts. Because they say when the mind falls into the heart, then you're home. Mm -hmm. Then you're home. Mm -hmm. Home isn't out here. The story isn't out here. It's all around us. It's spinning. We made it. The story really is about what lives in here. And every one of us is at home when we sit down in our own hearth, when we sit down in our own heart, when we reignite that and feed the heart of ourselves. You know, that's. That's what this moment is about. That's when I shared with you early on during the show, when I saw, I saw this amazing, beautiful man from the South, white man, kneel towards his black nation, his black brother, those first peoples of us all, and recognize a moment and just accept the need to arrive in that moment not out of shame or guilt because we've arrived at the moment. This part of the story is completing itself. It's done now. And it will teach us, you know, I come from a history where I was thrown around rooms. I come from a history that, where there was a lot of abuse, a lot of abuse around women in our culture things that were unspoken back then. If I keep myself, if I had kept myself into who was my perpetrator and how I was the victim, I would still be caught in a story that no longer served me. Because I was able to sit down and look at my responsibility and how that story got constructed, not out of our need for right or wrong or good or bad, but when we move towards it out of the split of that kind of dichotomy went in polar opposites, when we move out of that, we step back into a whole story, a whole system, which is what my sister Loretta has been sharing here. She's sharing what a whole system looks like. And when we're in the whole system, it's not a good or bad or right or wrong anymore. It, it's, it's about what it is. And there, there is another level of something that arrives in our consciousness when we're able to embrace a whole system. So our body is like a map to that. If we stay up here in our mind, we will conjure up guilt and blame and judgment. 
We will do that because our mind has been trained to this point to justify a mental story. What our original people have maintained and sustained for us up till now in my experience of my walk, very short, small walk. But what I've come to appreciate is that they sustain the roots of a tree of life that is sheltered and fed us all since the beginning of time. And they have arrived at this fireplace right now, as my sister just said, because it's time to share it. They have a way of life that will will sustain us, will help us learn how to come out of the mind into the heart and how to feed the heart. This is a Gaia. They say she's feminine in her beingness. But the other part of the story we must remember is that she travels with a family. She travels with the sun and the moon and the stars and the Milky Way. She travels with, with the cosmos. That's her family. That's our whole system. We've got to allow not just Mama Earth, but her whole family to sit down at this fire with us. They all have different instruction to share with us. Are we going to keep a very narrow story? Is that what we want? Or are we going to open to the whole story in the, in the diversity it brings to, for us to embrace once again? Because we're there. This world we've been moving through that's finishing its 26,000 years has been teaching us about separation. It taught us what it was to live in our different nations, to have different languages, different clothing, different ways of dreaming, but there was still a whole system. And now we're moving to what they call the world of unity, where we're re-embracing, restoring, regenerating, and returning to the original garden. That's what your grandmother left you, was the key to the original garden. And you know, when I've been in these festivals, because I like, you know, Loretta and I have been invited into festivals, so we're the rock and roll grannies a little bit. But we're also being asked to be bridges. Because when I first started being invited in, because I've walked with our indigenous relatives all my adult life, my, my, all of my work has been dedicated in that and caring for those original the original roots of this life. You know, it was like, oh, I don't know. You know, Amen, we talked about it. Oh, can you bring someone like an elder out of the jungle who just flew on the airplane for the very first time <laughs> and put him down in the middle of a concert that's blasting with music and people into all different dimensions and 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 not and not have that be an aggressive act towards him. Just energetically. Nobody's wanting that. Nobody, nobody. But I saw, I saw people take this on with earnestness. And they really wanted to bridge. And they knew there was a hunger for learning how to sit with the elders. And learning how to sit with a way of life. They didn't understand. But something called out of its knowledge to them somehow. 
I know lightning in the bottle. I've done, I've been an elder for them. I have walked with them for some time and I have great admiration because they kept, they kept working with that. They wanted to make it in a way that was honoring and at the same time allowed the bridging. And they, they, they arrived by having a, you know, by having a, a one unity camp where the elders would be that was separate from where the festival was just across the bridge, if you would. And then uh, we would be brought in and out to share our teachings. And some would then be called to come and sit by our fires. It naturally found a way of sharing taking place at the same time we cared for that one that came out of the Amazon and had been on the airplane. We could really care for him with the protocols that would would offer him a welcome into this country and and a welcome into uh, a respecting of what he might need in this new moment for him while others had a new moment. So it's really about what Loretta was talking about, being humble enough to sit down in this moment and, and sitting down in the moment at all because everybody rushes around wanting to do something with the moment. Sit down in the moment. Mm-hmm. See what the moment wants needs you to do right now on this moment without needing to look ahead of where you might, it might take you or what it might help your ego accomplish because that's still ego, isn't it? Still mind driven. But if you just sit down in the moment with your heart open, intelligence lives there. Nature's intelligence greets you there in the moment. I just have one more thought that came wisping through, which I'm, I'm hearing that young man, George Floyd, say, I can't breathe. Mother, he kept yelling, calling. It's what's ignited the world. I can't breathe. And mother, help me. Mm-hmm. You know, last year, fires went across our planet. And the mother yelled, I can't breathe. And coronavirus now has come across our lungs. And what was under it was, I can't breathe. And now she's taking us in our purification a little bit deeper till we get to the core of something that has to do with disrespect of people due to color of skin. And the mother of this universe, I can't breathe. She's opening up something so we can all breathe again. And what came a few weeks ago was when we realize that the Mother Earth is showing in our systems, in our bodies, in our social systems around us what we've created then we have we know we're a mirror of something. If I take a moment and I look in that mirror and realize that's where I need to put my sourcing, that's where I need to put my energy, my prayer, my intention, so that what does Mother Earth need to restore life for herself, to clean, keep her waters clear and running clear, her air clear and running clear, her 
the fires in her belly clear and running clear, all of this mother elements working together so that that garden is restored and regenerated. When that happens, you will see it happen in our bodies, in our cultures, in our society itself. So do we go just keep running, trying to put little fires, little things out? Or do we really sit down at this holy fire this morning and in the moment we're in and see what does Mother Earth say she needs? Can we galvanize ourselves into that focus and intention? It's a moment. I'm going to sit down in it. Me too. It's hard to have patience. (laughs) It's hard to have patience in this process. Mm -hmm. It's difficult to feel so many feelings to go from, for those of us who have been privileged enough to be in our homes and not on the front lines, Mm -hmm. to be in our homes and then to see this injustice and these explosive protests, it's very difficult to have patience. And... I think part of why I wanted to sit down with two grandmothers today, I didn't even know that patience is what I needed, but it seems that patience is necessary Mm -hmm. now. How do we cultivate patience without passivity? How do we engage and own our work and our walk without over-identifying and being wound up in the chaos ourselves. I think it's important to know that we're all in this together, as it were, and uh, we too, our, our children, my stepdaughter is a doctor, so she's in the hospital, and, and so we're, we continue prayer every day for protection as whatever the medicine people prescribed, creating a, a, a stake made of choke cherry bush, made of choke cherry branch or willow or any tree, and to wrap it with a red cloth. Um, the power of the sun is the color red. And then to tie 28 tobacco ties around the red cloth and put all your hopes and dreams for protection and good health and keep it in your homes. He gave us that prescription uh, a couple months ago, and he told us to to tangibly create and, and have an intention to focus. And so I gave that out to many people in our many talks that we've been doing. And I told them, you know, he also said, to keep it until everything is done and then burn it in the sacred fire. Say thank you. So the intention, the prayer, then you also say say thanksgiving. So something as simple as intention, a prayer, faith and belief and thanksgiving all run together at the same time. So we're constantly asking for protection on a daily basis for our children because they're they they are frontline. I have 
my my nephews and nieces are nurses. They work in hospitals in Salt Lake City or they work in Omaha, Nebraska, or you know, my my stepdaughter works here at one of the hospitals. And so for us to to actually have frontline people, we too are focused in and we too hold our place here at home so that that patience bears and blossoms. Because if we if if I throw throw it all out and just go run around and not be careful, I have no idea what's going to change in my thought as I'm in the wind. And so I try my best to hold that. But I think there needs to be a very strong identification about Mr. George Floyd and, and how what's happened to him, what is it called? We talked about that at the beginning and and you had mentioned the moment. And I think that we, we need to have a, a special talk about that and so that the people in the world can hear what not only other people feel about what native people feel about that. They talk about the dehumanization and the domination theories. Not, not theories, we're actually living proof of that dehumanization and domination. So there is a political side to us only in the sense that we we have to suffer and, and come to be patient and wait for people to get to have respect for themselves so that they can have respect for us, for our people. I think that I would suggest just as your your grandmother, that that needs to have a strong talk in perhaps your next interview. And I'd like to throw a name out there, Steve Steve Newcomb and his daughter, uh, Shauna. They, they live in San Diego, and Steve is one of our Native scholars that has been dealing with this doctrine of discovery and the papal bulls and the domination and dehumanization. I think that I would like to suggest that to you because he, he'll present it to you, what's happened and where we are with it and how it affected people all over the world. And I think to have them talk about it and hear about it, I think brings to, to mind that when we don't have patience, things run amok. We tend to get in each other's face we tend not to have respect for one another. We don't have uh, compassion. We, we don't make room for it. We have it in us, but some of us don't make room for it. So with that, I know it's, it's coming to the time when sis has to be off and I have to be off too. So, you know, I, I just wanted to uh, suggest that to you. I want to say too that Shauna, his daughter, Spirit has given her what she calls the reverence codes. So her dad, Stephen, will talk about what brought us into the great imbalance that we're in. And then they will begin to speak about how do we restore the reverence codes and unlock ourselves, all of us, from these codes of colonization that that came over us. Patience for me, I'm an Aries, so I all... <laughs> so I always work with patience. My husband, my husband, he's more of the water sign. 
And so water and fire come together and now we make steam (laughs) so our prayers can go up that way. For me, patience comes out of, you know, like, again, I want to repeat, staying in the moment is the practice. We can really work on staying in the moment. So in the moment, I feel shame. Then sit down in it. Mm-hmm. Don't try to run around from it or get in your mind to excuse it or feel guilt about it or all those things that happen in your head. Sit down and feel the shame. That's how we'll get through this moment. Or sit in this moment and all your rage and your frustration comes up because the world doesn't seem to be listening. Sit down in it. Mm-hmm. Feel it. Anger is fire. When we take it and throw it around, it causes destruction and harm and it hurts. But when we sit down in it and not throw it at ourselves either, that's not what I mean by sit down in it. Sit down in it so I can truly hold the fire, the frustration, the rage, the anger, the collective experience. Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it until it finishes itself. Then I'll go to the next moment. That's what being in the moment brings as a teaching. Um, so that would be how I'd uh, response to your, your question as we're coming close to the end here is, you know, it's if you throw it at others or if you throw it at yourself, you're still in the dysfunctional game that we've ended in. If you can sit down and really hold that stuff until it transforms, transmutes, and lifts it higher, then we are the peacemakers that we came to be. And we are carrying and walking the peace we've been praying for all these years. That's the big moment of acknowledgement for self that we're in. That we have to start with our love of ourself first. If we don't start there, it will be falsely sent out. But if we start with the love of ourself first, the forgiveness of self first, for whatever I did to myself or to others, I did it because I didn't know and I wasn't awake and I'm now waking up and I see and I forgive that I had to walk that way before my learning took hold. And then once I've done this, once I've loved myself, felt myself, experienced all those unknown places in myself, shed what wasn't me and stand in my own authenticity, mm-hmm. now I'm ready to turn around and love someone in front of me. Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to have a different current that will start to move around this planet and it will be coming out of that heart place that is our home. Every single one of us share that same home. So thank you very much, Eamon, for bringing these two old grannies on. My sister Loretta, who I love, she likes to say that when we walk so long these ways and not such easy places sometimes. But she likes to say when she turns around, I'm there. And when I turn around, she's there. And that's the way we are with each other. 
I'm thankful that I, I get and humbled that I get to walk with some of the amazing, beautiful teachers and friends and relatives that have helped me remember so much. Thank you, Eamon. And thank all of you that are out there listening <laughs> and gathered around this fire. When you don't know what to do and you're sitting in your moment, close your eyes and we're all going to be right there at that sacred fire gathered in that way that we visioned it together when we started our talk. And Eamon, no, I invite you I, to Sundance so you can see for yourself. I would very much love that. Because of the pandemic, we, we've, we're not holding the gathering, but we're still holding the prayer in our homes. So the next time, hopefully, we can have a gathering will be June of 2021. So mark your calendar. June 17th is the Day of the Little Virgins, the tree day. And that we dance 18, 19, 20, 21. We finish right on summer solstice beginning. So mark your calendar and you can come. Thank you so much for that. This converse, conversations like these, sometimes a theme emerges that was perhaps unexpected. And I think the theme today has been patience. Um, the conversation that we have had has been so much about patience. And that in itself, I think, is perhaps the most poignant teaching of this time of upheaval and change is to have patience for all that is unresolved and have patience for yourself in your ability to, to meet this moment. Sometimes you stumble, sometimes you get it wrong and you have to learn. And I think we're all in a hurry to be the heroes of our imagination. We're all in a hurry to save the world. We're in a hurry to be seen and loved. And what I've learned from you both today in many different ways is that this moment calls for patience. And not only does it call for patience, this moment is perhaps a great teacher of patience because there's so much roiling through the human family in this moment that to be able to take our seat to stay with this moment and to hold this patience, perhaps that's the only medicine that we can offer ourselves truly to, to feel that safety and security that we're, that we're all longing for. And I just end with one thing. The friend of mine, she was praying one day and she was worried and stressed because she didn't think she was going to be able to help as many people as maybe she needed to. And the mother said to her, you just take care of the ones I send you. I'm going to take care of saving the world. You know, so if you get to that mm. place of understanding, you know, we give up. Uh, that is a colonizing thought that we're going to save Mother Earth. She is so amazing and intelligent and millions of years old. It's a bit arrogant of us to think we're going to save her. The walk we're making right now is, are we going to survive as a species in the next part of the story? That's actually where it's at. Can we hold the grief of a moment of ending so we can really hold it in that moment and sit in it? And let the tears fly and not even have to give them a story. Just let the feelings happen. Feel the moment we're in so we can release ourselves and let her birth us into new time. Mm. 
Thank you so much for that. And thank you for your time. And Grandmother Loretta, thank you for that beautiful invitation to Sundance. I would love to, know, I would love to go. I would love to learn more. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It has been a blessing. Well, the blessings coming right back to you <laughs> for what you're carrying and the way you're carrying it. The generosity of spirit that I experience here with you. And uh, with everything that I know just a little bit about that you're doing to spread goodness. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I thank you to all my other selves. I hear the voice of my (laughs) calling. Thank you. I hear the sound of her song. I hear the voice of my grandmother calling me. I hear the sound of her song Saying, wake up, wake up, child Wake up, wake up, child Listen, 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 listen Wake up, wake up, child Wake up, wake up, child Listen, 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 listen I hear the voice of my Grandmother calling me, I hear the sound of her song. I hear the voice of my grandmother calling me, I hear the sound of her song. Saying, step in your power, woman, step in your power now. Listen, 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 listen. Step in your power, brother, step in your power now. Listen, 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 listen. I hear the voice of my grandmother calling me. I hear the sound of her song. I hear the voice of my grandmother calling me. I hear the sound of her song. Saying, give birth, give life, mother, give birth, give life, mother. Listen, 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 listen. Give birth, give life, father, give birth, give life, father. Listen, 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 listen. I hear the voice of my grandmother calling me. I hear the sound of her song. I hear the voice of my grandmother calling me. I hear the sound of her song saying, Share your deep wisdom, elder. Share your deep wisdom now. Listen, 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 listen. Teach and be wise, elder. Teach and be wise now. Listen, 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 listen. Well, I will follow up on email to get some photos for the podcast. And um, yeah, I've got a lot to digest and I'm going to go through and listen listen to it and do some editing. And then I'll send that over to you in the next couple of days. Did you feel okay about it? I need to digest a little bit. Because I, as I mentioned, I'm I'm coming to the table feeling quite raw to begin with, and I had a little bit of an expectation of talking about certain 
different things about your histories and about the 13 grandmothers and about the Oglala Lakota nation. And instead, we, we had a very different conversation. So I need to take a pause and digest it and then kind of feel how I feel. So I think part of me, I had sign of an expectation of a different conversation. And so I need to receive the conversation that we did have. And I think that's actually part of the lesson of patience is to reframe any sort of expectations that I might have had about about having a specific kind of conversation and feel the conversation that we did have instead. Does that make sense? I'm a little confused. So I'm glad I stayed on so we could unpack it a little bit. Because you, one of the things you said is you wanted to hear more about the Guala Sioux and that tradition. And Loretta gave you, uh, unpacked a whole, the whole, whole wisdom teaching through her different initiations and ceremonial ways that carry the Guala Sioux. So, what different, what were you looking for that was different than that if you were looking for her to share? It wasn't that I was looking for a different conversation. I think that I was looking... This is why I was saying like I need to like wait and digest mm-hmm. a little bit because I think that I was looking for a more linear architecture in a way, mm-hmm. like a more sort of like building kind of the piece by piece. And um, in a sense, I sort of just kind of received and I haven't yet sort of allowed it to formulate in my mind. The way that I've done a lot of previous interviews, and I actually presence this in the beginning that I was just going to kind of like hold the space, but I've done a lot of previous interviews in a more kind of linear way. Like I wanted to talk about, for example, the Pope Francis delegation to revoke the papal bulls of discovery and like talk about these kind of like specific points and details. And Part of me is disappointed that we didn't do that because there's a whole bunch of different things that I wanted to like check in and know about. But I'm trying to check that disappointment because I recognize that I am not like I need to be humble to like what happened is what was supposed to happen, and I need to pause and understand it rather than the expectation of oh, I wanted to talk about this thing and that thing, and 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 not to say that we didn't talk about Lakota traditions and ceremony, and there's that beautiful space in that. But what I was meaning when I said that was was like details for people who are totally uninitiated and unfamiliar and like talking about the Black Hills and like where the Lakota come from and like sort of, I just, I don't know. I, I feel like I, th- I just need to have a little patience and pause and listen to the recording and receive it rather than try to map a kind of linear detail, like pull in all these different pieces. So let me ask you this. Um, Right after you found out that your grandmother died, would you have wanted to have a linear discussion about it? You don't have to answer no. it. I just want to leave you with that because what you what you sent to me yesterday, which I didn't read till this morning, was this is such a, a, a moment that we're in. Maybe maybe you don't want to speak. Our response was, we feel creator asked the grandmothers to come sit with the world right now while we're in this big moment. And I think that's what showed up for you today, was us being present in the moment. So, I, you know, I just leave it to you. If you don't think it's what you need to do, then, you know, we can go there too. But I just want to say, 
that you uh, you opened the door and said, I usually talk a lot, and this time I feel like I'm supposed to receive. So I think that you set the intention and the door flew open and sat down with you. If you're going to sit with indigenous peoples and ways, what you usually think is going to show up in the moment that you went to go do it is not going to be there. And that's what I've discovered. And I just have to go up and realize there's a whole nother something trying to evolve here. Again, the patience. Can I sit and receive? Sometimes when the grandmother could come and grab me and say, come on, granddaughter. This was way before I helped to bring the International Council of 13 Grandmothers together. She would come and get me a old healthy grandmother and she'd say, come on, I want you to come to my place. I want, there's things you need to learn. And I went there for over two years and I washed babies' butts and I cooked dinner and I cleaned floors and I made relations. And then one day when she realized I was coming, not because of what I was going to get, was that still extraction? I was coming because I wanted to make right relations. That was all. Then one day she took me and she said, come on, granddaughter. We went to ceremony for the first time and the, te- the, tr- the deeper teaching was revealed and brought to me and, and it went on from there. So I just want to say, you know, if you come to sit down with, with, the, with, with indigenous world, you will have to trust it. You are, this is, I'm glad we're having this conversation and it's still being recorded so we can talk about whether this could be part of the podcast, but you're totally right. I, and I, what you just said about it, when you go in wanting something that that's extractive, I did go in wanting something and I found myself sitting and listening and thinking, well, 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 what if the listener doesn't understand this piece or we didn't get to talk about that thing? And like, I found myself a little bit like, wanting something different. And I think maybe you noticed that and that's why you asked me, perhaps. I don't know if you mm-hmm. if that's the case. But what you just told me about like you going and then finally realizing that like the way that you had to go was in the spirit of right relation. I'm so I'm so novice at this right now. Like I'm so unfamiliar and I want to I I want to like take these brilliant traditions and wisdom and like put them in a format that's going to work for these people who are uninitiated. And I have this sort of like, I I have this uh, idea of myself as this sort of heroic midwife in this way. And it's, 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 it's not right. Is it? (laughs) That's not the right approach. Is it? I would, I would only say there, we don't, we're, we're going to, you know, Rumi said beyond right doing and wrongdoing, there's a field. I'll meet you there. And right now our whole population, our whole humanity is trying to meet each other in that field beyond right doing and wrongdoing. So Mm. with whatever's cooked up inside of all of this that we had today, sit down in it. Let yourself feel the whole darn thing. The confusion, the this, the, 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 whatever comes up, don't guard it. Don't protect yourself from it. Don't try to hide yourself from it. Just fully embrace what the moment is here for you. And you're, you can always give a shout out, call to us, you know. Uh, we're here for you. We, we want to, you know, that's why we're mm-hmm. sitting here. We really see something good that's wanting to happen here. And we're really wanting to see how can we, how can we help? How can we 
how can we're we're here we're not expecting anything we're not looking we don't have an agenda i think it's time for us all to burn the agendas in the sacred mm. fire and sit down in the mm. unknowingness and make a relationship with that cuz that's a field of consciousness unknowing it's a field i came with an agenda and then said I didn't have one. <laughs> That's like I showed up and I was like, there's all this cool stuff that we can talk about in the Sundance and all my like psychedelic friends are going to want to hear about the Sundance. And, and it was totally agenda. And I knew, I knew that there was dissonance in myself before we started. And that's why I was like, please correct me if I do it wrong. I want to listen and not talk so much because I know I talk too much. Like I was like trying to compensate for the energies in me. And it's very much like a young man energy of like, we're going to do this and make it happen. And I found myself in the conversation too, like I'm so fatigued by what's going on in the world. And I feel so like unable to meet it in so many ways. And so just like even being in this podcast today, I was just feeling like physically like tired. And that's why I was saying when you asked me how I felt about it, like, I need to sit with it and listen to it and receive it because I just feel like kind of kerfuffled. And I appreciate your invitation to sit with it because it's so hard not to know right, you know, and to feel the fear of being wrong and to want to do good and then realize Mm -hmm. it's ego and then feel shame. It's a weird space. And I think you're right that you just got to sit in it and let it do its work on you instead of being able to control it. Yeah. We're, you know, when we let go of the need of control, which is a false illusionary state to begin with, I mean, I could drop, I could drop dead right now. I think I'm going to control that. Our evolution is marching and she's moving us as she has moved us to get us to here. She's moving us again. I think I'm going to go out and it'd be like me going out in the ocean and the wave is coming really big. And I've got my little hand up there going, stop. (laughs) You know, I think we've just got to really realize creation is not about control. And control brings so much suffering because you can't control and the desire to control and the the sulky disappointment that the control didn't work is such a contortion in your being. And the earth cares not for your contortions about what you wish it it's would be like. It's not personal. You know, the earth yeah. does what it does. Evolution yeah, it's not is personal. not personal. It's not personal at all. You know, when I was having my baby, evolution was bringing life and it wasn't personal. It hurt like hell. (laughs) Uh, And it was an amazing moment. It was messy. Was I scared at times? Yes. And at one point, I just got into birthing. I just had to totally engage with the force of life that was moving us. And that's what I pray for, that we can engage with that force of life that is moving us. That if we can put our attention, our energies, our everythings 
then we're in for an amazing mystery to reveal itself to us. We're in for the magic carpet ride. Choti, I'm I'm so happy that you gave me this moment at the end of the conversation just to have some real humility with myself. Because when you asked me what I thought of the podcast, I wanted to be like, it's great. I love it. It's great. But part of me was like, I, I don't know if it worked. And I, I wonder if like, and I'm glad that we got to talk about it because it's actually the lesson of the podcast. Where is my patience? Where's my patience right now? You know, like, where is it? I want to produce a show that everyone's going to love. And so I think, well, I'm going to know how to make sure everyone loves it, so it better be all the things I want it to be. But instead, what I got was what it should have been, what the, what the space was for. That's what I got. And I need to have the hum- humility and patience to look at that instead of like, I've got this list of things we didn't talk about. And, you know, like, <sighs> it's so silly you know, how attached we can be to how we want to present ourselves in the world and how we want to be seen and just so much attachment. It can be. It's, it's also developmentally growing. You know, we're all, we're all growing. Mm. We're all just growing. It's also the masculine integrating with the feminine so it can have more of that patience. Mm. The feminine mm. integrating mm. with the masculine so it can have more of that intention. You know, it's mm. it's a moment of of growing. So I want to just wrap my grandma arms around you. And I want to just hug mm. you up close and say, don't get lost in your mind. What you need to do is lose your mind right now in order to find your heart. Yeah. So that, you know... Yeah. It's it's a big it's a big moment. There's big energies moving here. There's holy energies moving here. There's there's other world energies moving here right now. And we humans are in it right now because we carry a key for something. I'm more curious about that key and where that mystery carries me than how it gets there. Hmm. Hmm. I feel called to snuggle my cat (laughs) (laughs) and rest. Perfect. And be and be grateful in all of the imperfections and be grateful for you know, this show that I'm doing, when I learn, that's like when I'm learning and when I'm like, oh, that's when it's that's when it's really magical. You know, when I know what to do and I do the linear thing, it doesn't have, it's not magical mm-hmm. in the same way. But I think that this particular episode has a magic to it that I'm not going to fully understand for a little while. And remember, you know, your offering is about just that it's an offering with no expectation mm-hmm. attached to it. You just make an offering. Oh, you know what that reminds me of? One of my favorite lines, it's from a Leonard Cohen song, and it's, ring the bells that still can ring, forget your perfect offering. There's a crack in everything, and that's what lets the light in. And that's how I will say goodbye to you today, because he was one of my favorites. Mm. And that's a real truth that rang a bell today for me. Thank you all again, my other self.
Thank you, Jyoti. It was such a pleasure. I really appreciate it. My pleasure you. completely. Have a beautiful day. Keep dreaming.